0: The dawn breaks and then the morning sends the sun high in the sky. Who would hide from heaven's glory? Who would pass the challenge by? La 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 Even so, all of us together can create a better land Leave the past a new tomorrow, waits for all who understand There's a morning for every nation when the sun's high in the sky there's a time for every people to affirm their destiny. La 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 la. La 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 la. Even so, all of us together can create a better land. Leave the past a new tomorrow is for all who understand. La 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 Leave the past a new tomorrow Waits for all who understand
1: I'd like to welcome all of you to Sunday service here at Ananda Village. I am Naya Swami Parvati. This is Naya Swami Anandi, and we're very happy to have all of you with us. We welcome all of our guests and visitors, those who have been here for the first time, and those watching online. I'd like to read now from Rays of the One Light, which are weekly commentaries on the Bible and the Bhagavad Gita by Swami Kriyananda and based on Paramhansa Yogananda's uh, teachings. The topic for this week. Self-effort, too, is needed. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. These past weeks we discussed the need for balancing self-effort with receptivity to divine grace. Both are important in the spiritual life. Passive dependence on grace hasn't the magnetism to attract grace. Boastful self-confidence, however, which closes itself off from the higher divine power, is shallow, brittle, and, given life's many uncertainties, susceptible to ultimate failure. There is a story in the Bible that illustrates the need to put forth personal effort so as to draw magnetically on the divine power. The story occurs in the Gospel of St. Luke, chapter eight. But as he went, the crowds nearly suffocated him. Among them was a woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and who had derived no benefit from anybody's treatment. She came up behind Jesus and touched the edge of his cloak. As a result, her hemorrhage stopped immediately. Who was it who touched me, Jesus asked. When everybody denied it, Peter remonstrated, Master, the crowds are all around, pressing you on every side. But Jesus said, somebody touched me. I felt power going out from me. When the woman realized that she had not escaped notice, she came forward trembling and fell at his feet and admitted before everyone why she had touched him, adding that she had been instantaneously cured. Daughter, Jesus said, it is by your faith that you have been healed. Go in peace. Self-confidence and self-effort are necessary as the ignition of a car is necessary to the motor. Of what use the ignition, however, if the motor itself will not work? Wise is he who recognizes the real power in the universe and guides his life by that supreme power. As it says in the Bhagavad Gita, the ninth chapter, to those who meditate on me as their very own, ever united to me by incessant worship, I make good their deficiencies and render permanent their gains. Thus, through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
2: Good morning, everyone. It's uh, joyful to be out here in the wind, isn't it? Very freeing. It was making me think, during the meditation, we had some classes here one year, and we had some artificial trees to decorate in each corner. And as the speaker was here, the trees were blowing across the stage. Very dynamic. (laughs) I'd like to read from Whispers, Whispers from Eternity, A Book of Poems and Prayers by Paramahansa Yogananda Father, teach me to perform all my work only to please Thee. Let me feel Thee as the electricity of life moving the machinery of my bones, nerves and muscles in every heart throb, every breath, every burst of vital activity Teach me to feel thy power. Well, this morning's... I'm supposed to be eating the mic here, and I'm not exactly sure if I've got it right. Okay? Um, This morning's reading, Self-Effort 2 is Needed, is a follow-up on the last two weeks where we've been talking about the grace of the guru and how to attune to the guru, And that it's not enough in this reading, as it says, you can't just sit waiting passively for the guru to help you, to change you. But you have to enter into the process with your own energy. But what is that energy like? I want to talk about that this morning. Um, My husband, Bharat, is working on a book now about play, the importance of play. And he's coming up with some wonderful, wonderful stories. And one of them is about uh, a father who was coaching his son's basketball team, uh, 8- and 9-year-olds. And he obviously was a very, very good coach because they were playing with great enthusiasm. They were having a wonderful time. They were making lots of points. They were way ahead of the other team. But what to me showed what a great coach he was, was that at halftime, they all came running up to him and they said, what's the score, what's the score? And he told him the score and then he said, who's winning? <laughs> they, they just didn't even know what was happening. They were so immersed in the joy of what they were doing that they really weren't paying attention to who, who was winning. So as uh, Parvati was reading, There are a lot of people putting out a lot of effort in this world, working really, really hard. But that's not only what we're talking about here. And then there's also people who are just waiting for God to come to them. And that's not what we're talking about here. But that we're talking about, as we put out tremendous energy, there's a grace that comes. This morning during the purification, Parvati told the story that Ramakrishna used to tell about the boat and that we have the boat that is to take us across the ocean of delusion. And that boat is tied to the shore. And first we have to untie that boat. We have to let go of our attachments. But then we have to hoist the sail. We have to put out energy. And once that sail is hoisted, these winds of God's grace can carry us. And so that's the type of effort we want to put out to lift ourselves into God. This past Wednesday night, we had a very inspiring um, community gathering in which Jotish and Davy described the fact that we're now about to launch into the project of raising money and beginning to design and to build a new community temple and why that is so meaningful and important to us to put god first in our lives in that way and it was it was thrilling and the idea of having a temple is thrilling but what it also brought to mind and i thought it might be interesting some of you are new some of you have lived through these experiences but what the the meeting brought to mind was kind of the history of ananda and how through swami uh, through God, it's all Master, it's all our Guru. But but acting, I'm going to I'm going to divide it into two parts. Through Swami's inspiration, through God's uh, messenger uh, quality of being a messenger. Um, actually, swallowed the mic there. I have to, I have to back up a little bit. Um, we we are changed, and it started way back in the early days, the very first days of Ananda. Swami started this community with a meditation retreat for the public and meanwhile we were scraping along very little money trying to build houses and schools and gardens and the meditation retreat was perpetually uh, requiring uh, influx of money from the community. And it seemed like not a very practical way to be. We should have houses first, we should have uh, schools first and so on. And Swami was adamant. He said, if we as a community only think about ourselves and don't think about putting first, sharing the inspiration that we've been given through our gurus, we will shrivel up and die, spiritually and probably materially as well. So that was the beginning of Ananda, to to focus on that. And then God stepped in in 1976 and... Upped the ante and burned the community down, and so many people, half the community, looked around. They saw no houses. There were still the monastery still exists. We had our little trailers and we had all of our public uh, businesses, but there were no houses. And the uh, the thinking person, uh, thinking the wrong way, but thinking, look around and said, "Well, there's no houses, no money, no insurance." Now's the time to leave. And so half the community left. And that was a tremendously important, positive turning point in the community uh, where we really started afresh in a beautiful and dynamic new way. So just after we began to somehow or other, uh, people went out to earn money, um, came back, houses got built, two years later, hardly community was hardly on its feet again Swami said you know Ananda is not just a place it's a worldwide mission we need to go out and he he took a dozen people and took a lot of in in income money to do this and traveled across the country giving workshops on joy and he did it partly to train the people who, who he traveled with but he did it also to show a message to the community we're not here to scrape by, to say, okay, well, just a little bit more, and we'll just get the, the garden around the house nicely finished and the roof on. And no, we're here just to keep reaching out. And so he did that, and that expanded our vistas. It brought, um, it wasn't successful financially. It brought some invaluable people back to our community, but most of all, it shifted our thinking. And we thought bigger about Ananda and so then ananda developed outwardly and he swamiji made sure that we were starting colonies and centers all around the united states and also in italy and so this movement outward was happening and then god came in again and up the ante and um uh, uh, another spiritual group decided to sue us for copyright infringement Um, And they said that they were suing us so that we would be unable to use Master's likeness, in other words, his photographs, or any of his words or his name in describing who we were and what we did. Well, that was a situation that simply was impossible. There was no way that we could not step up to the plate. But I remember saying to Bharat after the first talks when we had a few over, few people over to discuss what we should do, and it was obvious that we had no choice. And I remember saying to Bharat, Wow, this could be big. This This could cost us a million dollars. I mean, a million dollars would pretty much destroy the whole community. But what else can we do? And so, Meanwhile, 12 years, $12 million is what it cost. And people have said to me, oh, all that waste of money, what a waste of money. And I have said to them, no, you don't understand. The money wasn't there. It wasn't like we had $12 million and then we wasted it. (laughs) We had no money. We had no money. We had a lot of people earning minimum wages and yet together, We decided that every person could put in a monthly amount, which was a stretch. And we did that month after month for, I don't know how many years. It was much more, it was more than 12 years because it took us a while to pay it off. But the colonies got involved, people across the country got involved, people around the world got involved and drew the money. And far from it being a time where everyone was on bread and water and... Um, well we were scraping by but we were doing it for God and okay, you know it's worth the sacrifice Ananda blossomed that was the beginning of the outreach of Ananda we got a temple in Seattle we got a temple in Portland a community in Portland a temple in Palo Alto a temple in Sacramento it was the biggest period of development that we have ever seen and we haven't looked back since then so that was God's Input. And what I was thinking about all of these things is that they've offered us not just ways to put out more energy, but ways to put out energy together. So in this community, we're very, very serviceful. And there's probably no one who lives here who doesn't, in addition to their job and family, have many ways that they also serve to help make this work what it is, and ways that they donate to help make this work what it is. But it's really special to have another opportunity, one that doesn't involve um, (laughs) dramatic uh, strokes from God to, you know, tear things apart, but where we can choose to all pull together and put out our effort, because that effort draws a unique grace, and I think doing it together draws a unique grace that will be special for us, especially for those who are new, to feel what that does. So I was just wanted to share that about effort and grace and how it's in the effort that we experience miracles. We experience God's presence in a way that we can't experience just going into meditation, we put ourselves out on a limb, we reach farther than we think we can, and we can't do it. We, we can't do it by ourselves. That's why the Gita reading says, I will fulfill your deficiencies. We, we don't have what it takes, but it doesn't matter. And we even make mistakes, and it doesn't matter. God comes in and says, you're doing the best you can, and I'm going to help you do this. And different kinds of miracles come. I thought it would be fun. I don't think all of you know this, but I thought it would be fun to share one of them, of the many, many that have happened here. But when we, in one of those expansive moves in Italy, uh, we built a temple in Italy. Again, huge financial um, expansion, uh, and a tremendous expansion um, in terms of talent. The the man who was the um, uh, uh, contractor also had to teach all of the people who was working under him how to do their part. He said it was like uh, um, conducting a symphony and teaching the violinist how to play and the, the trumpet player how to play. Anyway, they reached very hard and they reached very far. And at one point in the process, they were choosing the tile for the roof of that temple. And the tile is really what, in a way, is kind of part of the iconic aspect of the temple. It's a beautiful blue, and blue is one of Master's special colors. He said that blue, gold, and white were the most spiritual colors. And so we wanted it to have that special beauty. And... It, it wasn't an easy thing to do, but they found these various tiles, and they were choosing the tile for the the roof. And, you know, tile names are like, what, Mediterranean Blue, um, Terracotta Red, sort of names like that. Well, they chose this tile, and they looked at the tile, and they looked at the name of the tile, and the name of the tile was January 5th. January 5th is Yogananda's birthday. I still get chills thinking about that. I mean, just to have this sense that, isn't this fun? You know, isn't this fun? You all, you're doing this for me and I'm doing it with you. And I want you to know that. So these opportunities that we've had and that all of us, whether we live here or not, We can be sure God is giving us plenty of opportunities to put out our own effort wherever we are, but to know that he's always doing it with us. Yogananda said, once you set foot on this path, not one thing comes into your life by accident. It's there because you're ready to receive it. It's there because he's giving it to you to help you take the next step, however bizarre it seems. Um, This week I was reading a book about Padre Pio, who is a great uh, saint of Christendom, and uh, many, many miracles um, are associated with his life. But this particular story just, um, it was very, very powerful for me. It took place in England, about 1980, 1977, um, uh, 77, something like that. Uh, Padre Pio had died in 1968, and this took place in England. A woman who was an Anglican um, ha- had an experience where she fell down and couldn't walk, and x-rays showed that her back was completely deformed and that she had a tumor on one leg. They performed a surgery that was completely unsuccessful, left her with a huge brace on one leg, unable to move and, and in a tremendous pain. So she said all she could do was lie on the floor, take tranquilizers, wish she were dead. Uh, she couldn't do anything for herself and she was very angry and upset. Well, there was an Anglican priest whose name was Reverend Fisher and he had met Padre Pio some years before and became a follower of Padre Pio. And he was visiting her church in whatever town in uh, England it was. And he heard about her and he wanted to come see her. And so she he came and she was not into it at all. She said, you know, I am so not into God. I have so, I completely lost my faith. Don't talk to me about God. And the minister said, That's fine. Uh, Let's talk about you. And so she began to tell him why she was so angry and why she was so resentful. And she poured out all the poison that was inside of her. And then he touched her back, and she felt a tingling in her back. And he said, I'm coming back tomorrow. Well, the next day he came back, and she she hadn't felt anything in her back for seven years. It it was cold, there was no life in it. He came back the next day and he said to her, I've I've prayed for you and I feel you're going to be healed. I want you to get up and walk. And she said she felt this terrible, terrible pain, like a searing uh, iron rod going through her leg. And she took off the brace and she tried to do what she could. And she looked at the face of this priest, this this reverend, and she saw this old man on his face. An old man with gray hair speaking to her in Italian. And he said to her, she didn't know Italian, but he said, Jesus, Jesus. And then she understood that he was saying to her, get up and walk. And she did. She walked across the room without any pain. She was so thrilled. She ran into her room. She got a pair of high-heeled shoes that she hadn't worn in seven years. She put on the shoes. She picked up her grandchild and started dancing around the room with the grandchild. And she was healed. Now, that is, in and of itself, it's a fantastic story. Um, because miracles are always wonderful. And Padre Pio is wonderful, and Paramahansa Yogananda is wonderful, and these are great, great saints who can do many things. But what that story made me wonder was about Reverend Fisher. Who was Reverend Fisher and what was he doing that he was able to have so much of Padre Pio come through him, that he totally healed this person. And I think that is worth all of us meditating on because we are like Reverend Fisher. We are disciples of a great, healing, powerful guru. What was he doing? And I think what he was doing was getting out of the way very much like those little boys playing basketball, he was putting out the effort, but not present himself. It was just, he'd left himself out of the picture. It was totally about his love for Padre Pio and his complete desire to do what he could to help anyone, including this woman. And so this effort, ending in grace, ending in ease, drawing grace, is something that I think is the, the key message of this. And really, that when we look at our life at Ananda and we're given so many opportunities to, to feel what an opportunity to draw grace we have. I've always thought about that story of the woman with the hemorrhage And I think I've always misunderstood it. I've always pictured this woman, she obviously was extremely weak. She'd been losing blood for 12 years. She obviously had not been having transfusions back in, you know, the time of Jesus. So she just was very, very depleted. So what I've always felt, and it's kind of written this way in the Bible, but the fact that Swami put it in this chapter made me rethink it. I've always thought that she was pretty in bad shape, but she felt that Jesus was a son of God and that if she could touch him, she would draw God's healing through him. And that may be the truth, that may be the truth, but I'm wondering now if instead this woman, yes, she was very, very weak, but she loved Jesus because she he she felt he was an instrument of God. And she felt that she wanted, no matter what it took, she wanted to touch him because she loved him so much. Not that she was thinking, I hope this is gonna heal me, but that she was thinking, I love you and I want to be with you. And I wonder, and we'll never know if this is what happened, but it certainly is the message of this reading. How can we raise our energy through our own effort, but get ourselves so out of the way, so joyful with the opportunity to love God, that He's able to flow through us. So let's just reflect on this for a few minutes.
0: Though fallen deep in sin